Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Model 284 Podcast. My name is Sam Walzak, and I am joined today by Model 284's own Mark Richards, and we're presented by Wallace Carlson Printing. On today's show, we'll give some background on Model 284 and the work that we do, as well as give you a sense for what this podcast is going to cover and what you can expect to take away from it. Then we'll discuss some of the recent content at Model 284, touch on a few hot topics in the sports analytics world, give you our advanced stats of the week, and we'll end with me giving Mark some rapid-fire NFL Combine Q&A. With that, let's get started. here we are welcome everyone this is the the very first episode of the model 284 podcast probably one of 200 million podcasts that we'll be releasing over our lifetime uh how you doing mark i'm doing well sam it's good to be here good to get this thing this thing started in the best month of the year of march that's right march madness is upon us or soon to be at least or i guess conference championship week is is really just as good in some sense as the hype builds for the bracket reveal. Definitely. So I'm sure a large majority of our audience is familiar with Model 284 at this point, um, but for those of you who aren't, or just as a refresher for those of you who are, we're going to start things off today by Mark giving us a little bit of background on Model 284 and how we got started and what kind of work we're doing. So Mark, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so as most of you probably know, Model 284 is essentially it's a sports analytics blog where we, we blog about sports and using data. So most of us in Model 284 are a bunch of data nerds that love sports, love trying to better understand the game, took too many math and computer science classes in school, and are trying to use those skills um, to apply it to sports. And what do we cover? Um, well, we... In general, it's of the four major sports in America, so football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. So really the professional sports of NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL, and then some college sports, most specifically college basketball, and then a little bit of college hockey. And essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to better understand how teams, one, win championships most of all, and then from there break it down to how teams actually win individual games. So obviously the first step in trying to understand how teams win games is kind of determining, okay, what are the things I need to do to win a game, which is finding the most important variables in each sport to winning that game. And that kind of lends itself to, you know, sort of a win probability type model. And then from there, um, you know, in general, having good players is pretty huge in winning games. So we create kind of projection models to figure out, you know, what are the best players to have on a team And some of that revolves around the draft and, you know, getting college players into the NBA and trying to build a team that way, Um, as well as, you know, salary cap constraints, um, a roster management perspective. And then some of the other projects that we try to look at is providing insights on specific strategy of the game, such as should a team go on fourth down? Should teams try to score on the penalty kill in hockey more or be more opportunistic? So basically anything in sports that has some sort of data point to it that can help us either one from a strategy perspective, make better decisions in game, 
or from a managerial perspective in trying to build a roster, we're trying to tackle here at mile 284. So that's kind of like a lot of the analytical um, rigor that we're trying to cover with it. Right. Well, Mark, all you need to do to win a game is just score more than your opponent. So <laughs> Exactly. It's pretty simple at the end of the day, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, broadly speaking, I like, I like what you said about, you know, any, anything with a data point is, is kind of falling under the umbrella of what we're trying to cover here. And I think there's, there's just an endless amount of questions with, when it comes to using data and numbers to better understand sports, um, you know, besides the, the heavy analytical stuff, we have tried to also kind of create a, an arm of model 284 that covers more more uh, non-analytical or the gut feel guys the, the gut feel guys so we have we have another podcast hammer the over that kind of has been running for a while and we'll run alongside this podcast and that's going to be more you know talking about sports news and gut takes and a bunch of spew about Minnesota and other sports. Um, and then we also have some some more blog-type articles on our site that are going to be a little bit lighter and not be talking about uh, statistical distributions and p-values and throwing a bunch of numbers at everyone. Yeah, I, I think in general, I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not GMs here, so we're trying to have fun as well, right? So we have fun with data, but we also have fun with... I don't know, creating spew around sports or joking about, I don't know, which college basketball coach is going to win in a wrestling match and whatnot. So <laughs> we're just trying to bring fun content and have a good time while covering sports. It's something we love to do. Right, and I think going along with that, I mean, we're both, you know, big numbers guys and believer in the numbers and all that. But at the same time, we definitely see see the numbers and the analytics and the models as just a piece of the puzzle. And, you know, there is something to be said for watching the game and playing the game as another piece as well. So we're not here to tell you that um, whatever content we're producing or someone else's model is the end-all be-all of understanding sports, but just a piece to the puzzle is the phrase we like to use. Yeah, definitely. So I think I would hope by now you guys kind of have a good perspective of what we're doing at mile 284. So maybe maybe it'd be helpful if we, uh, Sam, you give us some background on how you came to where you are today, your your little I don't know life story thus far. Sure. Um, yeah. So Mark and I went to college together at Saint Olaf, which is a school in Northfield, Minnesota. Um, we both studied math and statistics, and Mark Mark also studied economics, but we kind of had a a similar college experience and at least for me so my senior year at St. Olaf I got a chance to do an independent research project with Professor Matt Ritchie down there on trying to predict March Madness Um, that was always kind of my favorite sporting event and by that time in college I had developed a lot of programming and statistical skills and you know it was always I had always kind of been thinking of ways to apply those to the sports world and something that I was really passionate about. So that March Madness was really the first chance that I had to do that. And so I worked worked for a semester on, you know, getting data and then building a model to predict the tournament. And I think 
since since graduating there's been kind of a number of other projects that i worked on and continued to build march madness and um when mark graduated mark graduated two years after me and when mark graduated um, we both kind of decided to use you know we're going to be doing all this sports analytics work so we figured we might as well put it out there and um publish it and if we're going to spend all this time all on it, we might as well put it out there for people to read. Um, and I do have a day job as well. So this is something that Mark and I both kind of do on the side for fun. So I work for a company called Holborn and we're a reinsurance broker. Um, so I do uh, analytical work for them. Catastrophe modeling is what it's called. And um, we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of that. That's a whole nother wormhole. It's super complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's essentially um, helping insurance companies with risk management. Um, so even more more modeling for me. I don't get enough from model 284, so I got to do it all day, every day. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, abbreviated version of my background, and I'll mark. I'm sure just some overlap with what I covered, but you can give the people some background on how you got to this point. Yeah, I mean, my story is uh, I pretty much followed Sam after he graduated, so he was kind of an icon for me as I was I was going through college. But I'll pro- I'll give you some other tidbits on myself. So I actually I played hockey, so I was a actually an athlete. What was, your, what, was, what was your career winning percentage? Oh, I don't know. We were not, I mean, probably close to 500 in game. Yeah, probably around 500. We were good my first two years at Olaf and then bad my, my last two years. Um, but, yeah, I, I played hockey at St. Olaf, and, you know, I, there, um, I went there because I was kind of one of, like, six million recruits that our coach recruited. And so <laughs> a little analytics for, for everyone out there on recruiting strategies if you're in that neighborhood. Um, you know, if, if you recruit everyone, then every single hockey player, there won't be anyone to play against you, So which means you win by default. So, like, honestly, while there's, like, 400 freshmen coming in my first year to to go for 20 spots it's kind of makes sense right because there's just no, no one to play against you um so i i don't know maybe that was really where my analytics like began um career <laughs> but anyway while i was at all as sam mentioned um i was a i was a math major and involved in stats too and sam was doing his march madness pro- project and kind of looped me in on showing me what he was doing and I absolutely loved it and I you know basically took all the same classes he did and then after Sam graduated we were we were kind of working on some stuff but I needed another buddy to work on with so Jack Werner another model 284 uh, analyst him and I worked on a variety of projects um, specifically in like the MLB draft modeling realm and as well as like you know creating similarity scores for MLB pitchers and a bunch of different fun projects like that so and we we kept building them out and as sam said once we graduated we just had a number of kind of research projects that we had built out and we had lots of friends that were asking about it and we were kind of getting our nose into the analytics community and that's kind of what led us to create it and to this day we just continue to kind of build out our unique research as well as kind of build off what other people have done yep so 
so why are we doing a podcast and I guess is the next question um so obviously we have we've had the website up and running for a little over a year now and it's been you know steadily adding people and adding projects and adding analyses that we're doing um but obviously podcast is a big big arena i don't know about you mark but i usually listen to about 75 podcasts a day yeah all all on 3x speed oh yeah i mean you can you can basically i think we're both kind of we're like we're listening to 10 a day um there's just like millions out there so it's kind of like we might as well do what everyone else is doing right and add to the fire by adding more podcasts to it but yeah just like that recruiting strategy yeah and also I, people just can't read these days anyway so yeah, that's a big problem so we, we gotta get the information to them somehow right but I, I think in in all seriousness there is you know podcasts can be a more convenient um intake of media than you know devoting 20 minutes to sit down and read a long article um and also you know there there are certain things when you're getting really deep in the nitty-gritty of a model or an analysis it can be nice to just have a platform to talk about it instead of having to put it down in words Um, so it's just you know essentially we're hoping that this podcast can be another avenue for us to share our work with you Um, and you know that goes with you know covering whatever might be going on at model 284 and also talking about what might be going on in the sports analytics world Um, but i think mark and i are both hoping that you know every podcast we're you know helping give give the listeners a takeaway Um, yeah i think i think in general what what we want like what can you get out of this podcast each one will be unique um, for instance, like we'll we'll do one on March Madness. We'll provide some in-depth insights on our models, what other people are doing in the community in terms of an- analytic perspective. Um, now and then, we'll you know try to bring on a guest to kind of interact, as we we both know that like we only have so much time, and other people have built out other work in the analytics community already. And so, you know, we'll have instances of that. But in general, we'll look to kind of cover our content as well as kind of bring light to other analytical research in the field. Mm-hmm. Another thing I think we've talked about is it seems like, um, at least in, in the mainstream media and on a lot of other podcasts, they're not, not always looking at it from an analytical lens. It's more of just a kind of gut take and talk about it more from a news or media coverage standpoint so hopefully we can bridge the gap between that and you know actually using numbers and explaining how the numbers apply to whatever problem we might be discussing today's model 284 podcast is brought to you by wallace carlson printing wallace carlson is a minnesota-based printing company that has been in business for over 86 years and is built on delivering a remarkable client experience Whether you need product catalogs, custom clothing, party or wedding invitations, marketing collateral, packaging, business cards, posters, or any other custom printing, you will not be disappointed by the team at Wallace Carlson, who will execute your vision to the highest standards. For all your printing needs, check out wallacecarlson.com, email info at wc-print.com, or give them a call at 952 five four five one six four five all right so now we're going to dive into a little bit more detail about some content that we have at model 284 right now so first off 
Mark, I know you and Jack have been working for a little while now on your NBA lineup evaluator tools. So I think, first of all, maybe you want to give everyone some background on how the lineup evaluator works and what it's doing and how to interpret the output. Yeah, so when Sam says uh, the NBA lineup evaluator tool, essentially what it is is it's, you know, you know you enter in five players and it gives an output of, of components describing the lineup and then an offensive defensive rating. So I think from certain context, you think of, you know, as NBA fans, especially me and Sam of the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, you'll often sit there and think about um, what different players would look like in the lineup and what it would look like if we finally traded Wiggins and we could get Chris Stops if Bill Jackson was still the coach. Um, how much better, like, how would Towns and Porzingis space the floor? Or, you know, how would the Gasol brothers and Rubio look together? I mean, that'd probably be the greatest lineup ever. But Or if you just have a stubborn coach like Thibodeau who plays the same lineups over and over again. It's exactly. like, what would it look like if theoretically he did something different? Well, yeah, and I think that's part of what drove this, like, interest for me and Jack was, like, we watched Tibbs plays his starting lineup for 48 minutes a night. We're curious about other, you know, lineups out there, but I digress. So essentially what we did is we took, you know, we took some of the NBA stats, uh, spatial tracking data that they have, such as like shooting play types and shooting from different ranges and whatnot. And we use that to create components to a lineup, such as spacing of the floor um, playmaking ability um, estimated at kind of a lineup level and so this would allow us to kind of assess the strengths and weaknesses and overall performance of the lineup and we use those said components to train kind of a gradient boosted model that predicts offensive de- offensive rating and then defensive rating for any combination of lineups and then and you can get the net rating so from you're there. so you're rolling up so you, you take your players in the lineup you're rolling up components and then you're predicting on those component. You're using those components to predict what that lineup's offensive and defensive rating is going to be. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So then you can use it and say, okay, we can see that this lineup's going to be really good offensively. What are areas to like rebounding, defense, um, spacing the floor, playmaking abilities, you know, around the rim scoring stuff like that, and that can give you more information on the lineup specifically. So. Okay, so like let's continue under the Wolves example. So, you know, you can go through and plug in a bunch of different lineups. I think as a next step you guys have been working on, okay, given given a group of players, what's the best lineup, right? That's kind of that's kind of the ultimate question. Right, cuz I mean, you can sit there and like tinker with all of them to get all of the different options, but we were kind of just like, okay, well, first it actually kind of started from the Cavs trade deadline it was like they completely overhauled the roster and it was like okay what should their starting five be i honestly didn't know right. um, and like I, I couldn't think of it so i was like all right well let's see what like our lineup tool says about it and so what we did is we created a nice r shining app which is just a web application that you can enter in any combination of players i would recommend only 10 to 15 otherwise you might crash our website um <laughs> But and then it'll give you the it'll sort by net rating and then it'll also give you the offense and defensive rating of every possible lineup combination. And then you'll see when you go down you can get like trends of it because it's very noisy 
and that's inherent in these types of predictions. But you can kind of see, okay, well, LeBron shows up in 19 of the 20 or 19 of the top 20 lineups. You can be like, oh, LeBron should probably be in my starting lineup. Um, so what did it what did it say for the Cavs' best lineup? Uh, it had George Hill, LeBron, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, when healthy, and uh, Larry Nance was the last one. So gotcha. Yeah, that and intuitively, I, I think that makes like sense to me from a lineup perspective. Like that seems it's kind of got George Hill is kind of an off-ball point guard, and LeBron running the point in that sense, and all good catch and shoot surrounding him. So yeah. So I I did I threw the Wolves' current lineup, you know, minus Jimmy in there. And one of the first things I noticed was that Tyus Jones was, I think, in the top two or three combinations. Yeah, he – well, and I think you'll see with individual, like, advanced metrics too, he comes out really high. But, yeah, he's a player that comes out and meshes really well with a lot of players in our lineup tool. And that's – you know, I think good to see, and there's a lot of folk out there that would like to see him play a little bit more. Yeah, myself included in that. Um, I guess another thing we should mention with the tool, so um, so you mentioned, you know, you give it a list of players, and it kind of ranks all the possible lineups of those players in order in order of best net rating. Um, you also have a component in there that allows you to look at the best two, three, and four combinations of players within those lineups, right? Right, and I think, as I was a little bit alluding to before, there's a lot of noise in predictions. Like, I mean, these are not perfect, right? Our error isn't zero. What? (laughs) So, like, you need to sort through the data and look for patterns that you're seeing, and that's kind of, you know, how we came to the conclusion. If you read the instructional we put out there, it gives an insight on how we came to the recommended starting lineup for the Cleveland Cavaliers and that's just kind of looking at what trends of combinations of players were seen show up often in the top rated lineups. So if you go to the website um, under basketball there's a section for NBA lineup evaluator and you can see the tool which is what Mark first introduced and then also the optimizer tool. So that sounds interesting go over to the site and check it out. Another thing we've been doing at Model 284 in 2018 is Um, a series of articles that we're calling My Model Monday and Freelance Friday. So they each run once a week, and they're kind of meant to be open-ended posts where we, you know, give the the other writers at Model 284 a chance to write about kind of whatever they want. And the idea with the the Freelance Friday one is that's more of kind of a um, non-analytical or blog-type post where, you might be writing about anything under the sun, which may or may not relate to sports. So I know um, Fred West and Evan Drone, two other contributors at Model 284, they've been kind of tackling tackling that realm for us. Fred had a good post a couple weeks ago talking about how, what did he say? Like if you're if you don't like the Olymp- Olympics, you're you're a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so we have those Freelance Friday articles to so look for those on Fridays. And then the My Model Monday ones are going to be more analytical articles, um, but the thought there was to kind of create a project where um, it might be more of a one-off thing than a, a recurring analysis. So like your NBA lineup evaluator, that's you know probably something that you're going to continue to update and you get more, more recent player data in there, that sort of thing, or um, like the March Madness models. I'm 
going to continue to update those every year. But the My Model Mondays might be more of just a one-off thing where you might be interested in exploring, you know, um, home field advantage in the NFL or something like that. So the last couple that we've done, um, so I did one that looked at um, comparing NHL futures to our NHL simulation results. So NHL futures, for those of you who don't know, you can place bets on teams to make it to the Stanley Cup or win the Stanley Cup or win their division. Um, and so then you can convert those into a probability and compare that to our NHL simulation results, um, which also give the, the same probabilities and look for spots where there might be a positive value bet. Um, another My Model Monday, um, Jack Warner, another analyst here that Mark already mentioned, he did one that he built a curling win probability model while the Olympics were going on. Um, Eric King built a model that looked at trying to predict MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year in the NBA. Um, Owen Goodwalt, another analyst, he did one that talked about uh, he tried to rank every NFL fan base's ability to complain about their team. So I think the Brown, no, the Bills were last, right? Yeah. yeah. The was it Bills, Browns, and Vikings all? Yeah, something like last something year. like that. Um, and then Mark, I know you just you just published one this week that you did a a class of, or a, a clustering analysis on NHL defensemen. So you want to tell us a little bit more about what you did there? Yeah. So it's a cluster analysis on NHL defensemen and I think in sports in general it's pretty common practice to group players by playing style and, and people in the hockey world often like to talk about defensemen as either offensive or defensive or like that rare like elite all-around defenseman is that what you were <laughs> um I think I got labeled as an offensive defenseman um I wouldn't I don't think I was elite in the all-around category um but Anyway, so for this study, I, I took some, a bunch of data from Manny Perry's Corsica uh, uh, site that um, he's got a bunch of great stats up there, but just some of the general ones I use were like, you know, five on five goals, primary assists, secondary assists, uh, power play goals, um, power play assists, um, hits, penalties taken, penalties drawn, block shots, takeaways, Corsi, and giveaways. And then from there, I used a k-means clustering which is a clustering algorithm that's where you're essentially partitioning all defensemen into k clusters in this case i it came up with four clusters um and it's by the the nearest mean um so so with that i was able to kind of determine that there was four general clusters that we currently see in the nhl and one cluster would be defensive defensemen and that would be guys like Carl Alsner fell into that category, Mark Stahl, John Merson, Dan Girardi. And then the next cluster was the elite defensemen. So those are the Eric Carlsons, John Klingberg, P.K. Supon, etc. And then playmakers, which interestingly, like Duncan Keith and Chris Letang fell into this category over the elite. And what kind of separated these guys, they didn't provide as much in some of the other statistical categories. So it's kind of interesting to see kind of the differentiation between those two groups. Well, you love Matt Dumba, don't you? Uh, I'm a Matt Dumba believer, but yeah, he's he's got a lot of, he's turnover prone, which is what I think a lot of people knock him and for dumb mistakes. But yeah, I mean, 
playmaking categories, I think you'll see that that's probably good to have a lot of those type of defensemen as well. Um, and then the last category was enforcers, so that's your Gabransons, Luke Shen, and whatnot. But interesting, Mike Riley actually fell into that category, so I'd probably change that. I think I tweeted it out from enforcers, so like physical high-risk defensemen. But, I mean, Mike <laughs> Riley just not not to rip on him too much, but he just kind of hasn't produced offensively and has taken a lot of penalties and had a lot of turnovers. So He, that, went, he went to my high school. Oh, yeah, Holy yeah, Angels. The academy. <laughs> there you go. So, so for those of you who don't know, and Mark, Mark's talking about a clustering analysis, so what that's doing is he's taking all the variables that he listed earlier. So, you know, every player in this analysis has a, a value for all those variables. And a clustering analysis is, well, part of it is boiling those variables down into a couple different components and then kind of finding players that have similar averages in those components and that's what you're creating your groups out of. Yep. And then from this study, what I think's most interesting to look forward to is like, okay, now we have these groups. What do I do with them? Well, first I want to see, okay, like what is the most optimal groups to win? Obviously having elite defensemen is, but like what about the combinations of defensemen like to each other? And, you know, salary cap restraints, I can't have all of the elite defensemen. So looking at those different combinations and what's optimal with understanding roster management and what I can get um, to kind of building a winning team from there. So I think there's future work to go from this too. It's beyond just an interesting study. Yeah, it sounds sounds intriguing. I think if you did, you could do something similar for the other positions, and then eventually try to piece it up to a team level. Yeah, I think that's the the idea of it in the long term. Cool. Well, the next thing, obviously, on the in the sports world, the next big thing is March Madness. This is coming. Selection Sunday is this coming Sunday. Um, so hopefully, some of you followed along with what we did for March Madness last year. But for those of you who didn't. Um, we have a bunch of different stuff going on. So essentially at the crux of it is we have these predictive models that are predicting results for each game. So there's a number of different models. Um, the, the main one and the one that we use to fill out the brackets is just a win probability. So given that these two teams are playing, what's the probability that each team wins the game? Um, we also have spread models. So those would be, um, you would... There, we have two of them, um, and this can be confusing, I know. So um, the first model is just predicting how many points is, is the team going to win by. So if um, you know Virginia is playing Hampton in the first round, model would say you know Virginia is going to win by 20 points or whatever it is, and then you could compare that to whatever the Vegas spread is for the game. The second model is actually a probability that the team covers the game. So it would say something like, you know, Virginia has a 54% chance of covering against Hampton. And those models are completely separate from the spread models. And those models also take into account the spread in total for the game. So those will fluctuate a little bit as the lines are moving. Um, but we kind of like having both of those different views on the spread to get a sense for, you know, you can be more confident in the result when the models are strongly in agreement with each other. Um, and then we have the same same idea, but applying it to the totals for the game. So have a model that predicts the total for the game and then also the probability that the game goes over. And um, for the, the cover probability and the over probability, low ones there would just 
represent you know a prediction towards the under or a prediction towards the 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 other team covering and i think i think in general when sam's talking about those like two distinct different types of models it's just like kind of an interesting data study too in the sense that like you're basically just like flipping the question a little bit and like getting different results which goes into like the air bands and like some math to it but it's interesting to look at nonetheless and like you know when they are strongly agreeing together it's like you can see the different variables that are affecting those predictions and how they co-align right right so um so i guess we will be we're planning on doing a podcast that we will release next wednesday so march 14th and that podcast will go over all of our predictions for the bracket, what the numbers are predicting for every game, go through the whole bracket, and then later that night we'll release the bracket on the website. But we're going to do a ex- exclusive reveal on the podcast next week is the plan. Yeah. It'll probably be like 10 hours long, too. We'll go through every yep. single um, regression yeah. model and <laughs> yeah. all the coefficients. Yeah, hopefully it'll be long enough that like a 16-gigabyte phone can't even download the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um so, so one thing we wanted to cover quick is how the model's done in the past. So the last two years, it's gotten 70% of the games right in predicting winners. Um, I think this is, this is going to be the fifth year that I've used it kind of in practice. So kind of using it blindly before the tournament starts. Um, and every year it's gotten two Final Four teams. Um, so it's actually kind of a cool story. The first year that I did it was 2014, and that was when I was still at St. Olaf. And so that year, Florida was the number one overall seed. Um, Wichita State was undefeated. They were one seed. Um, and so on Selection Sunday, I'm sitting there, like, crunching through all the numbers, trying to make sure everything is right. And I remember I, I, the, kind of the first thing that I wanted to do was, like, out the results for the whole bracket and see who it was predicting to come out on top just as like a first run and the first team that came out was UConn and so UConn was a seven seed and they actually ended up winning that year um, for those of you who don't remember but like at the time no one was talking about them and they had just lost in their conference tournament kind of underachieved all year so I'm like frantically trying to figure out what I screwed up and what's wrong with the data but slowly started convincing myself that they could do it but yeah it was it was high on UConn it was high on Arizona that year it was high on Wichita State that year Um, but it got Florida and UConn in the final four um, in 2015 so that was the year that Duke beat Wisconsin in the final and so the model had Kentucky and Wisconsin in the final four and it actually had Wisconsin winning the whole thing so as a diehard Minnesota sports fan it was uh is a mental struggle to to cheer for wisconsin throughout the tournament especially to have them lose in the very end but it is what it is um but it was cool to see them have the model have them beating kentucky because kentucky was undefeated that year and i don't think too many people that was towns and willie collystein yeah that, that team was something yep and then 2016 let's see so 2016 was the year that villanova beat north carolina in the final and it actually had both those teams in the final four, but it had Michigan State winning the whole thing. And that was the year that Michigan State lost in the first round to Middle Tennessee. So Worst day of That was life. tough. Yeah, that was awful. But uh, it was even more frustrating because it loved Villanova. Like, if Michigan State wasn't in the tournament or if they had lost earlier, it would have had Villanova winning. Um, but 
obviously you go with Michigan State because they're you know an easy team to believe in and <laughs> and the the numbers were higher on them anyways. And then last year it got um, Oregon and North Carolina correct in the final four. As I already said, got 70% of the games right. And it had Arizona winning it all, which obviously didn't pan out. Um, but there's been been some hits hits along the way. Um, looking forward to doing it again this year. One note, I think it's had Villanova in the final four the last three years. Obviously, they've, they've made it the last two, but they kind of, you know, they're positioned to be a number one seed right now, have a similar makeup as a team. So... I, I would be surprised if it didn't have them going far again. I guess Virginia and Villanova are kind of the two the two locks to be one seeds, at least what it looks like to this point, and then kind of a big drop-off from there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how things shake out as the bracket unfolds. But, yeah, just bring it back one more time. We were we will be releasing that next Wednesday on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. All righty, so... Let's give you guys just a quick rundown on the sports an- analytics world right now. Sloan Conference happened a couple weeks ago. And I think, you know, general perspective that we we weren't we didn't go to it, but from what we've heard from a lot of people in the analytics world is it's it's not really like that great for like information, but it's more of like for networking. Networking, and- resume building, which is true for a lot of conferences, but there's not as much like really good presentations per se or like super good I think insights other than meeting people but it's I don't know you have like Shane Battier and stuff talking up there and Jalen Rose yeah year. like I they don't do that much because I can you know watch them on TV <laughs> but anyway um, uh, I will say that like what's interesting for me at least is going on to the Sloan Conference website. They have the research papers up there, and there's a whole host of really good ones, and those are always fun to kind of piece through and, and see what's going on in the community. Um, also, the Vancouver Hockey Analytics Conference was this past weekend. We also were not able to attend that, but we'll probably try to make it out next year. Looks like there was a lot of good. A lot of good presentations, and looks like it was a, a fun conference. Yeah, so another thing going on, it's NFL combine season. Um, so everyone obsessing over hand measurements and uh, 40 times. Um, also, the NFL just announced that they will be releasing player tracking data to all their teams, which is um, kind of exciting because the NFL is generally pretty lagging in the, the analytics area relative to other sports at least. Um, so I'm sure, you know, Hugh Jackson will be just throwing that data right in the garbage when he gets it. And the Eagles will, I'm sure, make good use of it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, it's, it's, it's exciting for the yeah. NFL, and hopefully it you know, encourages more teams to dive deeper into the analytics behind the data. And hopefully it gets released to the public at some point so yeah, we can I, play around with it. I, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, there's no way, but... We can only dream, I yeah. suppose. So we're each going to give you our advanced stats of the week. So I'll kick it off. My stat is Pythagorean win expectation. So um, it was originally um, developed by Bill James, but it's since been applied to all the major sports. And I think Mark, your boy, Daryl Morey, was the first to apply it to the NBA. Um, but essentially the idea behind it is that – winning percentage or um, your seed 
isn't always the best indicator of how good a team is, especially, you know, in close games or sports where scoring plays are few and far between, um, wins, you know, the best team doesn't always win. So what, what Pythagorean win expectation does is it uses your um, margin of victory to give a better assessment for how good your team is. So the formula is just your points scored taken to an exponential term divided by your points scored taken to an exponential term plus your points allowed taken to an exponential term. And then you just multiply that ratio by the number of games that have been played. So that exponential term is different for different sports. And there's been a number of people who have come up with kind of different optimizations for um, what the best value to use is. Um, so that does vary. Um, but so, you know, you can apply these to different sports. And I think what you, a, a few things you would use it for is one, going into the playoffs. So teams are going to be seeded based on, you know, their win or loss record and then maybe some tiebreakers. And so you could use this, apply it to every team's point differential, and you might get a different ranking of the teams. And you could see, you know, like for instance, the Jaguars this year, I think they were first in Pythagorean win expectation, even though they were the three seed in the AFC. So, you know, by that measure, you probably wouldn't be as surprised that they made it to the AFC championship game. Um, another use for them kind of retroact or another use for the statistic I think is retroactively looking at a season um, you could go back and see you know which teams might have over or underachieved and then you can get a sense for you know what what might be a more realistic expectation for the coming season um, Alrighty, so for my advanced ad of the week I tied it to my my model Monday of this week and it's Corsi which is an advanced statistic uh, used in the National Hockey League, but hockey specifically, and it measures shot attempt differential while at even strength play. And so this includes shots on goal, missed shots on goal, and blocked shot attempts towards the opponent's net minus the same attempts directed at your own net. So essentially you're taking the shots attempted for minus the shots attempted against. And this was one of probably the first advanced metrics in hockey and does an okay job, but I think Steve Shea in his hockey analytics book, which I recommend everyone taking a read of, provides some you know context on why it might not you know it's not probably a good thing to take as a sole measure, but I think it does give you you know it give, it provides some information and has some value to it. But I think you have to understand all shots you know and attempts and whatnot need to have the context behind them, but. Um, that is my advanced stat of the week. Sweet. We're all smarter now. All right. Let's finish off the show here. We're going to give Mark a little test. So it's, it's NFL combine season. So, Mark, I'm going to give you someone who uh, is not a football player and has nothing to do with football. But I'm going to give you a person, and then you're going to tell me what their 40 time would be how many bench reps they'd get, and then what position they would play in the NFL. Sound All righty, let's hear it. All right, so first one, we got uh, Minnesota Wild head coach Bruce Boudreau. <laughs> I, honestly, I think Boudreau would cook it. He'd slide in under 5 all. <laughs> he'd be at about a 4 9 two. Would be my 40 time. He'd die, right? Yeah, his face <laughs> would be redder than could be. Like, you wouldn't need... 
It would be frightening. I mean, he's for sure hitting 30 in the bench press. Like, he's <laughs> well, he, slamming. He, like, how, how far? It, it's got to be like a two inch. Yeah. Two inches that he's got to push Yeah, it. he's barely got to move. He's got that <laughs> mass where his chest sticks out so far. He's basically just going on top of it. Um, and wow. what? He's going to play. I mean, <laughs> he could play probably. I mean, he's not tall. But <laughs> he could probably play fullback or maybe honestly you might have to put him at nose tackles wow. <laughs> like as a like a five i don't know how tall he even is five ten i was thinking right guard just he people. could be a guard he would sure. never get pushed back yeah honestly though like he, sometimes when you put those little guards in there and get underneath and he just plow people <laughs> over elite speed too for a for a nose tackle all right next we're going one of your favorite players mark gasol Marcus, <laughs> he'd well, he'd I mean, definitely just tear his hamstring. Yeah, I don't think he'd complete like <laughs> he'd get an incomplete in the forty time. Um, bench press, like his arms are so long, there's no way. And you got to put him like he'd play quarterback, point center. He's just <laughs> dicing people up. You got a seven-one quarterback, <laughs> just slinging it. All right, all right. Next, we're gonna go. Uh, you know, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> um, he'd he'd probably clock in at five two. I mean he'd be a little slower than Boudreaux, but he'd he'd come in hot. I think he'd be a lot faster than people would give him credit for. Um bench press, zero probably <laughs> would be my guess. He'd he'd fail on that. Um <laughs> position. What would he, he I, I was thinking linebacker. Yeah, you could definitely put him out. He'd be middle linebacker with the mic. Yeah. Commenting on everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Calling out the plays. <laughs> Audibles to a blitz on every play. <laughs> Just overruling the defensive coordinator every time. All right, sticking, sticking with the U.S. politicians theme, how about Bernie Sanders? <laughs> oh, my. What is he, like a 7 8 40? 10 seconds maybe he has elite speed that we don't know about run i don't know he might have to walk it out about a minute yeah yeah i mean your bench press he he might be able to slide one out you never know um but you gotta slot him at corner leave him on that (laughs) island (laughs) he's taking on julio jones on the side like i I don't know bernie sanders island man sanders island just like Dion. yeah all right and then last one going bob huggins oh my god i he's like he's probably has elite speed four six probably <laughs> um bench press yeah he's a solid 20 20 guy like he's just ripping through them um uh positions i feel like he's got a lot of positional options yeah like given his versatility of size speed and strength <laughs> plus pure aggression like like, you could probably put him at tackle. You could probably put him at D-end. I was thinking running back, maybe. Running back, yeah. I mean, he'd be a workhorse. You'd yeah. give him the ball 40 times a game and never pass. I and mean, we would still <laughs> win in today's NFL. Elite value, though. Yeah, he's he is a kind of a football guy, though, at the end of the day, right? Like Oh, yeah. Like, Big time. No nonsense. Yeah, how about him getting kicked out the other day? Oh, did you <laughs> see his, his, his pants were falling down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just wearing a jumpsuit, dress pants, no belt. Just that I love that. The Huggins life. He looks so good. 
All right, Mark, you passed passed with flying colors. That's going to do it for us today. So go check out mile284.com. Check out some of the articles that we went over today. Um, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If this, this first episode was just a game changer for you, then give us that five-star rating. Um, and as we said, we'll be back next week to break down um, the first round of March Madness and the whole bracket. Um, be Wednesday, March 14th, I think. We'll be hoping to post the podcast that day. Um, and then follow along with all our stuff at model284.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, anything you can do to get us out there and share with your friends would be appreciated. That's it. Have a good one, everyone. Dilly dilly.